So the scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The word of the Lord. So I was working out at the gym and um, putting these things in, which I can't really do because I got this other earpiece in here. But, you know, I was doing this and um, listening to my podcast or whatever, and I I finished uh, working out and was uh, moving to another station to do something. And all of a sudden, the podcast is is starting to go, go crazy on me. It's just cutting in and out and kind of acting funny and so... I thought, oh, cheap stuff. They haven't figured this out yet. This is, this is, I mean, I paid a whole good 25 bucks for these. This is terrible. This, you know, so I was, uh, and I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe the battery's gone because you have to plug this in, the little battery thing. And so, but it kept getting worse and worse. I, I went to the station and I was like, ah, oh, it's terrible. Finally, it just cuts out completely. And I'm like, I'm furious at these things and the light's still on. And I'm like, you know, nothing's, it's probably, you know, just nothing's made the way it used to. It's not like the old days when they had wires. Wires didn't break on you. And I'm, I'm complaining about it. It's like I, my flip phone. I missed my flip phone. And um, anyway, and so I'm like, oh, well, I better save the battery on my phone. So I, I go to pull out my phone. I'm like, where's my phone? So all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't know where my phone is. I'm like, well, how? Oh. I'm a genius. I figured this out. And so I'm like, so I start to walk and there's nothing. And I'm like, I don't know where I left my phone. So you know what I'm doing? I'm in the gym and I'm running from station to station. And all of a sudden I get back like three stations. And I'm like, I hear a little something again. I'm like, it's like hot, hot, cold, right? I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, no, it's not that way. It's out. And I'm running around, and I'm figuring out, and all of a sudden, the station comes right back in. I'm like, ah, and it's sitting there tucked in like a cup holder in like a running machine that I was on for 30 seconds until I got tired. And, <laughs> and so there it was, and I, I thought about this because in Christendom, in Christianity, what we end up doing and the way we end up living is we... We think about all kinds of things and we wander away from that which keeps us in touch with God. And pinnacle and pivotal to our faith is what we're celebrating today. Paul says it like this in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. He says, when I've received, I deliver to you that which is, he says, protos in, in Greek, foremost, at the top. He says that Jesus Christ 
died. That he was buried. And then on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And then he revealed himself to Peter. And then to James. And then to more than 500 brothers and sisters who were all gathered at one place. And then finally, like one born out of time to me, Paul writing this, he appeared to me as well. See, we can get really wrapped up in, okay, well, what do Christians think about this or that? How should I live about this or that? What do we agree or disagree on about this or that? But the farther we get away from the cross and from the resurrection, the more we're not going to hear ultimately what God wants us to hear, which is that if this is true, you don't have to worry about how the earth was created or how man was created or how, whether miracles happened or not. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff if, if today didn't happen. Every other question that you may wonder about foundationally rests on whether this event which is not really open to debate in the Scripture. The Scripture doesn't give us the option of saying, well, you don't have interpretation. We can sort of metaphorically say Jesus rose. He didn't really rise. but The Scripture doesn't give us that option. It says, Peter saw him with his eyes. I, who am writing this, saw a dead man alive. Do something with that. 500 of us were gathered together, and this man appeared before us, who we know was dead. Not partly dead, completely dead. And so for us, who now live thousands of years away, we've got to do something with that. So I, I feel like there's one of a couple ways we can go. We can say, well, the scripture's unreliable. We don't really know it says that. Or the scripture's reliable, but men, for other reasons, wrote a story that wasn't true, or it's true. I don't see any any other way around that. Because historical events aren't provable the same way that a scientifically repeatable event is, we have to delve into whether it's historically possible and viable. Don't have time this morning. Plenty of great books written about it. I do want to, because the way Matthew handles this, I want you to turn to Matthew 28 if you have a Bible or open your app and look at this because I do want to point out just one of the reasons I personally believe this account is true. I get that it's a miracle. I get that you have to overcome the whole dead person coming back to life thing. I get that. Like I'm not trying to dismiss that that's something, but you've got to look at the evidence. And so... I'll just give you one of the things, and because it's an emphasis in the Gospel of Matthew, which we have been studying over the last number of months. If we read through, I want you to think about something. Looking, let's look at the genders of the people involved in this, of the human beings involved in this story and this narrative. Okay, So we have an angel appears in what we read, and Jesus appears in what we read. So setting them aside as not, Jesus was you know, human and God, so we'll just set him aside as sort of a separate thing for right now. How many of the humans that were there, how many men and how many women are involved in this? How many men? Zero. No disciples. They're off hiding somewhere. They're, they're, they were scared. 
They didn't want, for whatever their reasons, they were mourning or scared. They weren't there. All that we have this morning are women. We have Mary Magdalene and Mary there. And all the Gospels, because this was such a chaotic event, we have many, many angles on this event through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Many different details are given, as you would expect in an event so cataclysmic with earthquakes and dead people coming back to life. It's not neatly spliced together. But in each gospel account, one of the things that we see is that it is women who, having witnessed the death of Jesus and spent time all the way to the end with him on the cross, seeing his dead body lowered and taken, come after the Sabbath and come to the tomb. And why do I say that in and of itself gives me some confidence? Because in Greco-Roman culture, as well as in, with some, not all, Jewish rabbis, women's testimonies, not saying this is good or wrong, I'm saying it was the way, historically the way it was, women's testimonies were not considered suitable in a court of law to prove a case. It was a chauvinistic society where men's words were taken more. So think about it for a minute. If you're writing something that's not true, why would you put as your only witnesses people who the culture of the day says, we don't even accept their testimony. Unless it was true because that was they wanted to present what actually happened. They might have thought, well, we wish it wasn't, but it was. It's almost frustrating after reading chapter after chapter, the last really 10 chapters or so, detailing the events of this last week, the information surrounding the resurrection in Matthew is sparse. It's 10 verses. It's just, at least to my mind and I read it, it's just what happened. And it was startling in what happened and what didn't happen. Here's what I mean by that. 33 years ago on this day, April 21st, 1986, the date Queen Elizabeth was born, the date my wife was born, the date my brother-in-law was born, the date a lot of people were born, something happened. If you're old enough to be, be around then, there was a place where bodies were supposed to have been buried. So on April 21st, 1986, they decided to show a live TV event of Al Capone's vault being discovered. Anybody remember? It was promoted the heck out of. On a live TV, we're going to show you where Al Capone, the famous gangster, put the bodies. Maybe there's treasure. Maybe there's weapons. I mean, it was built up for two hours. Poor Geraldo Rivera is in a cave with construction equipment. And people, where are the bodies? Because we're going to find, I mean, this is going to be amazing. What he's holding in his hand is a very contemporary liquor bottle, which was the only thing they found in the vault. It was empty, and it was a complete disappointment to everyone who was there. It's considered, even to this day, he was sort of exiled for this. Although he lives on in our memory now, which a lot of shows wouldn't. That's fine for us. 
I say this why? Because they were expecting to find something, and they found nothing. Mary was expecting to find something and found nothing. Geraldo and 30 million people who were watching will never have those two hours back. (laughs) But for anyone who comes and finds there's no body in that tomb, you'll never have your life back again either if you believe it's true. This is the only decision really ultimately that will matter. Is the vault empty or is the vault full? Have the bones decayed? Has the body gone? And was it a lie or is it true? Because if it's not true, really everything else Jesus has to say really comes into question. If his body's gone and it's true, everything he has to say is gospel. Back to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says it like this. He doesn't say, well, you can not believe in all that miracle stuff, but still, he's a good teacher, you know, love thy neighbor. Paul didn't give us that option in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile because you're still in your sins. We're, we're, we're a joke as Christians if this event did not happen. The other reason of, of many, another reason I just want to share this morning, in addition to this thing that Matthew points out about women being the witnesses and being the first evangelists of this, is that the lives of those that followed him were completely and utterly transformed. And this morning, I stand before you as one who tell you that for 40, over 40 years, my life has been completely and utterly transformed by an empty tomb. And I know that many of you would share that. Don't get far away from it. If you're not a believer, really, I mean, maybe casually or or you're here out of respect for family members, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching and listening. But if you've gone far away and you're thinking about how Christianity affects social issues or economic issues or political issues, can I ask, can I just say, remember, the farther you get away from this day, from the cross and from the resurrection, the more noise and the more static and the more interruptions will be in your life. This day ultimately matters more than any other. And I want to tell you one last story. Because, again, I'm fully convinced. I'm, I'm fully in. I'm all in. I've pushed my chips into the table, so I, I, I get that. I wasn't always there. But there came a day when I, I realized that my life, why I was born, why I was afraid to die, why I couldn't handle my own issues and problems when it all overwhelmed me. But I didn't come to that day overnight. It, it was given to me as kind of, let me give you a picture. When I was uh, 
a teenager, I went with a group of friends and we hiked up Old Rag, which maybe many of you have done. It's not far from here. It's a great recreational hike. And uh, four of us got separated from our group. We weren't, it's a recreational hike. It wasn't like we were in danger of anything. But what happened was they had the lunch and the water. So it just made for a really uncomfortable five or six hours. Jerry, one of the guys who was with me on there, I had mocked him earlier because he had in his backpack a mango. It was all he had. It's like, you brought a backpack for a mango? And he said, you, you don't know how good this mango is. I don't, I don't even like mangoes. I didn't like mangoes then. And uh, so we got up to the top, and as I say, halfway up, we got separated. They, I don't know how, but we got separated, and four of us got up to the top. And I wasn't looking forward to the couple of hours back down. I was hungry, and I was thirsty, and I was tired, and I knew I had water in the car, and I wasn't going to die or anything, but I, I knew my need. It was really stark to me. And Jerry pulled out a pocket knife, pulled out his backpack, and pulled out that mango. And I loved mangoes. <laughs> mangoes are the greatest thing God ever created at that moment. Because my need was so palpable in my mouth. If you don't need Jesus Christ, you're, you're fine. This day will be a day that will just come and go, and I get it. And we live in such abundance, and, and, and I'm sympathetic. This isn't a judgment. It's just the reality. But that if your life is at the point where you know you're thirsty and you're tired and you're hot and you don't have the answers and you're coming apart at the seams, and you know you need something because life isn't working for you right now the way you, you know it should or you think it should. The world's going to feed you a lot of answers as to how things should be. And I just want to tell you that from personal experience, what I can offer to you is today that because when the vault was open, the grave was open, there isn't a body there, everything changed. And that because there's life and not death at the end of the road, as my body reminds me every day that it's not getting any younger, it's the empty tomb that means something. It's the cross and the resurrection and the ascension that will matter. And that in my fear and my confusion and my doubt, it's the reality of this day but you don't experience it on this side of faith. You can't say, well, show me, and then I will know. Faith is the substance of the things we hope for. When you say, Lord, I believe. I, I don't know why I believe. It's crazy to believe, but Lord, I need you. I'm hungry. I need that mango. I believe. All I can tell you is, it, it now looking back on the other side, I'm full. How did he fill me? How did he change my life? Did he make it perfect? Did all my problems go away? No. The point is I have the God who knows and orchestrates and understands and walks with me in this life and through this life. And he invites you to the same.
The invitation is there. For a variety of reasons, we don't do altar calls in the sense of I'm not going to have you stand up and say, oh, this is what I believe or don't believe. But make no mistake, there's a pivotal moment when you have to decide, yes, I believe, no, I don't believe. And this belief is not, can't be casual. Read 1 Corinthians 15. It can't be just something to check a box. It is a revolutionary, life-changing thing. Everything matters if Jesus rose from the dead. So this morning I felt we don't always celebrate the Lord's Supper on Easter, but this morning I felt like I wanted to do that. Let me give you two reasons why. One is that this brings us back to this pivotal moment, that Jesus Christ giving his life for us, as Tiffany read in that scripture in Romans, dying for our sins, that that just says we're in that needy place up on that mountain, hungry, thirsty, tired, I'm needy. We call it sin. It, it, it means I can't get to you, God. But you came to me. And because you left the grave, because you walked out and proved yourself who you were, you came to me. And so he offers himself, and we have these symbols of of bread and wine, his body and his blood. That he said, you take these and you remember, until I come again, because I'm alive, these stand as symbols of your need for me. And that this wafer and this wine, as you taste them, it becomes this interface between heaven and earth where you, you actually taste and you, on earth, you, you can see we need Jesus with skin on him sometimes to see. And in a sense, we taste and see that he who's now spirit but forever alive meets us here at the point of our need. No one's required to take communion. All who trust in the Lord, all who come, when you come, what you're saying is, okay, Lord, I believe. No one's going to point out if you don't come, it's fine. It's better not to come than to make this a ritual because this is dangerous stuff. You're basically saying to the God of the universe, I, I believe you exist. Come inside me the way I'm taking this inside me. I know uh, if you attend traditions where uh, taking the Eucharist, uh, you know, it would not be acceptable or whatever, that's, that's up to you. We're not going to make any distinctions. We're not going to, there's no, here, this is the table of the Lord, and I leave it to you. But what I want to say is this. This morning, this is truly an altar call. This altar, representative, the cross, the oil of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the light of Christ, his body, his blood, his death, his resurrection. When you come up here, this business you're doing with God. And if you know that you believe but haven't been walking in it, you've wandered away, this is a time to say, Lord, I believe. I want to make this belief real. As people offer you these gifts, before you go back to your seat, if there's anything 
that you would like prayer for, we're going to do it right because of the, of the um, amount of people in here today. I'll ask those who are going to be praying right up at the ramp there. You'll see there's an open ramp at the back. And right up there at the back, there'll be people available to pray with you about anything, anything at all. Take the opportunity to receive prayer. Your life will never be the same. I can say from 40 years, and many of you could testify the same thing. There's nothing that compares to getting real in your faith. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, show yourself. Uh, I'm certainly not a good enough speaker. Don't have clever words to convince anyone of anything, but I believe and know that because the tomb's empty and you're alive, that you meet people who are hungry and thirsty and that there's no disappointment in us in a vault being empty. It's the joy of our lives that there's nobody there. Lord, bring us back close to the source, close to the resurrection, close to what you've done for us on this day that marks our lives forever is yours. For on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do it for the remembrance of me. And after supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave thanks, and he gave it to them and said, Drink this, every one of you. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Therefore, Lord, as often as we take this bread and drink this wine, we proclaim your death until you come again. Amen.